One of the things I'm passionate about is this idea of, man, looking at culture and what the church is doing, and specifically the American church. Thank you. I appreciate it, Bob. <laughs> Let me get that. Specifically the American church. I, I can't, I don't want to speak internationally because I'm from America. Uh, although most people think being from Alaska is international, <laughs> I'm still American. And so that's what I want to speak into. And, and one of the things that I've noticed about the American church is, especially being, you know, West, East Coast kind of deal, is we're divided. The church is divided. The people are divided, right? I, I look at our culture politically, right? I'm not going to get into that, but we know we're divided. We're, in fact, we're being destroyed in some cases. And, 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 and as the church, man, how do we come together? Ironically, this is not a new problem. <laughs> this is an old problem. We've always been divided. And Paul speaks into it. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go ahead and open up to, we're, we're going to do kind of a case study of the book of 1 Corinthians. This was a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And they had issues, man. They had issues. In fact, <laughs> some people may even call it the church going wild, the church going crazy. And, 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 and here's the thing, as Paul gets into this, man, I want us to see, so we're going to be in a couple of different passages, and I normally don't like to jump around, uh, but I only get to speak to you once. <laughs> and so I, Bruno didn't want me to do a whole series on Corinthians and keep you here till nine o'clock tonight, so, <laughs> and I'm sure you're all like, thank you, Bruno, right? <laughs> but, but, but I want us to start out with this, I, I want us to think of something as, as we get into this. If you ever get a chance to go onto YouTube, there's a video called The Battle at Kruger. It's a pretty old video. I had never seen it before, though, until recently. But you can tell by the videography, you're like, okay, that was some 1980s camera or something. But it's interesting. And it really spoke to me. And it's this couple on a safari. Uh, Kruger is a national park in Africa that they've utilized to preserve wildlife. And they come up on this, this group of lionesses. And you can tell just by looking at them, they're ready to pounce. They're watching. And there's about eight of them. And then all of a sudden, the camera kind of pans out. And you see this massive herd of water buffalo. Massive. I, there, there had to be 100, 200 of them. It was massive. And they're kind of coming around the corner. And you can see the lionesses getting ready. And then, of, of course, the moment happens, right, where the lionesses take off. They take off. And they go after the herd. Well, the herd scatters. Everyone goes nuts. And they, the, the, the lionesses get this little calf. And they pull them down to the water. There's this water side. And there's about four of them. And, and, and if that's the end of the video, right, that's a really terrible story, isn't it, right? <laughs> Thanks for telling us that. <laughs> But here's what happens. About a minute later, the camera pans back out and shifts. And all of a sudden, here comes the herd. Everyone. And, and you can tell, especially the, the bulls in the front, you know, they are like, they ain't messing around. They're coming for their kid. And so the lionesses, these four lionesses, man, they start, they, they kind of bow up, you know? But the herd beats them down, runs them off. And they get the calf back. And as I saw that, I started thinking about this book of 1 Corinthians. 
and thinking about how we as a church are to operate. And how, again, this is not a new problem. So Paul helps start this church in Corinth, and he's now in Ephesus when he writes this letter, doing more work for the Lord. But obviously someone has told him, listen, we got some issues. And so I look at the church in America today, and I go, man, what can we learn from this? And so we're going to start in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, I appeal to you, brothers, is it up there? By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united. Now listen, we got to be careful with Scripture because sometimes people like to cherry pick and they like to pull anything that they want it to say, right? That we all agree. This is not Paul saying we agree on everything, <laughs> Right? So if you like strawberry ice cream uh, and not vanilla, that's okay. <laughs> that's not what he's talking about here. It's not trite. This is important. This is foundational. In fact, John chapter 17, as Jesus is praying, getting ready to go to the cross, he prays almost this exact same thing. Father, I, I pray that they are one as you and I are one. And so here's the thing, as Paul addresses this issue, man, here's what I want us to see, and that's why I think this is so important to walk through this book, is a lot, most of this book is about this dividedness. Why? And so what happens when unity is gone? And, and, and as Paul addresses this, man, it's dangerous. And, and I think we're, it doesn't take a genius, right, to look at the American church today and go, you think? <laughs> right? And so I wanna, uh, now we're going to move on to chapter 3. And so what happens when unity is gone? And here's what we see. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, But I, brothers, and I'm going to put it up there, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even, even, even now, you're not ready for it, for you're still of the flesh. And while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving in a human way? And, and one of the things I see here, I, I love the way Paul worded this. And, and oftentimes people think, and this is part of the American culture, that, that Jesus came to constantly hug us and only says nice things. But there's some difficult things in Scripture. And, 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 and I love, I, I've talked with Bruno much, and, and several of you I already know because I've, I've been involved with Bethlehem Church people here anyway, that you guys are lovers of the word. And we're not just going to preach the stuff that, that's like, okay, this is the easy stuff to preach. No, we're going to preach the whole word. And Jesus said some difficult things. And Paul <laughs> says something here that's very difficult. In fact, what he does is he calls them babies. <laughs> And what happens when unity is divided, when we start running off doing our own things, what we find is, man, our churches are filled with baby Christians. And, 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 and let me tell you this, if you're first week, first year, second year Christian, that's okay. But when you're 30, <laughs> you've been in the ministry, or, or you've been a follower of Christ for 30 years, and you're still wearing your spiritual diapers, <laughs> There's nothing cute about that. I remember I have three children, 
And, and I, I was never a fan of the dirty diaper thing, okay? Uh, maybe you are. <laughs> but it was cute, right? It was okay. Well, my daughter, you know, I got to change the diaper. But now my daughter's 14, okay, and it would not be cute <laughs> at all. And Paul, is, as he's talking to the people at Corinth here, this is what he's saying. He says, listen, it's not cute anymore. You guys aren't baby Christians, but you're acting like it. You're acting like it. And when unity is gone, man, jealousy, arguing, these fights arise up. And what does it do? It affects the church. And when I speak of the church this morning, I want you to understand, I'm speaking of the church as a whole, okay? Because that's what we're seeing. The second thing Paul says is, as he goes on in 1 Corinthians is what happens is, is factions arise. Factions arise. Take a look at the next part of that verse. He says, for one, son, one says, I, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul, right? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos. Apollos watered, sorry, but, good get, but God gave the growth. What does Paul say here? He says, listen, what are we doing? That, that's what I, I, I love uh, about seeing things as, as they arise and, and for us to be able to give you guys a break. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's like, listen, the factions are not going to help. Factions are going to do anything but break down. Now, listen, let me, let me, let me make this clear. Paul, Paul makes it very clear, right? This is about the cross. This is about the cross. He says, listen, uh, uh, Paulos, Paul, listen, why are you arguing over the man you follow? We follow the cross. We follow Christ. He says, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's about Christ. And sometimes we lose that, don't we? I know I do. I know I do. I found myself in, in, in many instances in my own personal life where I'm like, I'm trying to get people to, hey, let me lead the charge, right? Follow me. When it becomes about me, the cross is destroyed. And what brings us together is the cross. The third thing that happens that Paul addresses as he goes on to chapter 5 now, is what, what happens when unity is gone is we find this idea of we start accepting sin. <laughs> and I use that word very clearly, acceptance, okay? Because there's a word in our culture that, that, that has changed. I was just talking about this with my apologetics class recently, and it's the word tolerate. And, and the word tolerate does not mean what it should mean, if you look at Webster's Dictionary, right? Tolerate, in fact, means this word, acceptance. Tolerate does not mean that. It means, okay, Bruno, we, we disagree. We're going to agree to disagree. I'm not accepting your ideas, <laughs> but I will tolerate you. That's tolerance. And what happens is when these <laughs> the unity issues arise, man, the church starts accepting sin. And nowhere in Scripture will you find that. Nowhere. I mean, the, the greatest man that ever walked the earth, Christ, right? He hung out with sinners, no doubt. And, and, and even oddly enough, sinners were very comfortable hanging out with Jesus. But never once did he embrace their sin. 
And so as Paul is talking here, he, he says, look, it's, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And of a kind, look at what, what Paul says here, that is not even tolerated among the pagans. <laughs> For a man has his father's wife. So there's some crazy stuff going on here. He goes on and he says, look, for, for man has, and are you not arrogant? Ought you not rather to mourn? Let who, him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I'm present in the spirit. Do I need to go on? Sorry. Uh, absent in the body, I'm present in the spirit. And as if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you were assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, my spirit was present. So you see, Paul addresses this sin outright. He calls it out. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying this is fun conversation. It's not. I mean, one of my least favorite things is to confront people. <laughs> but it has to be done or it's dangerous to the church. I'm doing a series right now with my youth group called <laughs> Difficult Con Conversations. And we just talked last week about Samuel. And if you don't know the story of Samuel, Samuel, as a 12-year-old boy, has to go to the priest Eli and say, God is going to remove the priesthood from you. And he's, he's going to kill your sons. I can't imagine having that kind of conversation as an adult, let alone a 12-year-old boy. But as Paul's writing to this church, listen, this is not an easy conversation. But it is a necessary one. It's necessary. So, so the question is, now we've, we've gotten to, through some of the hard stuff, right? And, and here's the beauty of the Word of God. Hebrews puts it this way. The Word of God is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that living part means, man, what's applicable back 2,000 years ago is applicable to today. And so what does Paul, Paul doesn't leave this church hanging. He doesn't just say, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. Good luck. He says, no, now, now listen, let's talk about what we can do about this. And so as he, as he goes on, uh, the question I, I, I think is begged is how do we stay united as this church a whole, even being separate bodies in multiple locations all over the globe, how do we stay united? What's the advice that Paul gives us? And I, I, the first thing that I want to talk about is first and foremost, we need to acknowledge our differences. We need to acknowledge our differences. He says this, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, what does that matter? That would not make any less that part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. I'm not, sorry guys, I don't have, I typically have a monitor over there. <laughs> right, um, where are we at? Okay. Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That should not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing, right? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But, but as it is, God has chosen this, right? We are a single member. Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts of this one body. And so Paul, as he's talking to them, he says, listen, we need to acknowledge our differences. 
And, and, and let me say this, as far as this is concerned, as far as acknowledging differences, I'm not, again, I want to go back to that point before. I'm not talking about sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to be very clear on that. But, but here's the thing. God has made us different, right? God has made some hands, and we're going to talk about this in just a second. God has made some heads. But God has made us different. And it's okay to acknowledge that. And I think sometimes, sometimes I think we're so fearful to do that. I know I am. I'll be honest with you. My wife, she, she struggles. She does not like leaving the country because she can't speak other languages. And that scares, it terrifies her. To not be able to speak another language, she's scared to death of that. Communication, right? But God has made us different, right? From all over the place. And, and, and again, let's go back to the cross, right? That's what unites us. But we also have to acknowledge these differences. It's okay. It's okay. The second thing, as you saw up there, is we got, we got to do this. And this is, I think, one of the biggest problems with the American churches. We got to admit we need each other. Uh, America, there, there's so many pros to individualism, <laughs> but there's also some very big cons. Very big cons. And when you look at the early church, when you look at what Paul is writing, he says, listen, we need each other. The Christian walk is not designed to be done alone. It's not. It never was. It never was. And so Paul, take a look here. As he says, he says, listen, the eye cannot see the hand, right? I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you see that word there? <laughs> indispensable. Now, let's pause right there because I love this term that Paul's used, right? He says, he uses this term weaker, the parts that seem weaker. And sometimes, uh, maybe we put it on ourselves, I don't know. I, I, I've been in this position where, man, can I really be a valuable part of this? What skills do I possess? What talents do I possess that I, that I can make this work? I don't know. But, but, but Paul says, look, the parts that seem weaker. And so then we, we can turn this around too. And how many times have I also said, what good is that guy? What good is that girl? And Paul says, listen, we got to stop doing that. We need each other. He says, on the contrary, right? The parts of the body that seem to be weaker, I love this word, are indispensable. Indispensable. That's a huge word. And on those parts of the body that we think less indispensable, and those parts of the, oops, sorry, honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable, in my, which our parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. I need you guys to hear these words because this is beautiful. So oftentimes in society, we look at ourselves maybe or people maybe have put this moniker on us that we're nothing. And do you see the value that Paul is giving <laughs> 
He's going back to Genesis, right? That we are created in the image of God. And because of that, I have worth. Indispensable worth. And that's huge. It's huge. The last thing that Paul says is, we got to accept our role in the body of Christ. And this is a tough one. It's a tough one. Because especially with certain ideals, I, I don't know about how you guys grew up, but I, I grew up in a society where people say things like this, like, you can be anything you want to be. And that's nice. It really sounds good, but it is a lie. <laughs> it's a lie that we perpetuate. You know, and we, like, I have kids, and you know, I, I try to talk to my kids, and, and I have a hard time not saying this to my kids, like, you can be anything you want, but that's what my parents said, right? I have a hard time, but it's not true. <laughs> and, and so my, I, I grew up, my, my dad was a very much a realist, um, and my dad spoke very plainly to me, sometimes harshly to me. <laughs> and, and I remember, so as you can tell, I'm a huge dude, right? I, I was little. I, I, when I went into high school, I weighed 83 pounds as a freshman. Some of you like were born bigger than that, right? But, but I was tiny and it's just in my genes. My mom's not a big person. My dad's not a big person. And so I go into high school and, and, and I want to play football. That's what I want. Everyone played football. So I want to play football. And so I go to my father and I say, dad, I want to play football. And my dad physically laughed in my face. <laughs> and then he proceeded to ask me, uh, what do you want to be, the football? <laughs> That's what he asked me. <laughs> and it was, but, but here's the thing. My dad understood that, listen, th th there's a guy that was on our team that weighed 350 pounds, you know? He was 6'8", <laughs> and I'm going to go up against him. I don't care how tough I think I am, <laughs> right? I'm going to lose that battle every single time. And it's not personal. It just is. That's the way God designed me. And so as Paul is talking, listen, we got to accept our role in the body of Christ. Here's, look at what he says here in, in chapter 12. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Notice he's, he's, question, he's, he's asking this question. No, no. And as he's talking here, he's saying, listen, and that's okay. <laughs> but here's what we want to do, right? Because our, our, our society says, you can be anything you want to be, right? We want to force that. I, I learned this very young. So right out of college, God was calling me to ministry. And, and I didn't want to go. Like, I was like, and here's why. Because he was calling me into Christian school teaching. And if you don't know anything about Christian school teaching, you make no money. Okay, and a lot of work. <laughs> and, and, and so I was engaged at the time, and I was like, no, I got to go make money. That's what I got to go do. And so I decided that I was going to sell insurance. Nothing wrong with that. Except I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible. I, I could not sell any. I was a terrible salesman. I, I couldn't even, walking up to people and talking to them about the stuff drove, it just wasn't me. And I fought it. And I fought it, and I pushed. Man, I, I rebelled against God so hard simply because I didn't accept my role 
And I'll be honest with you. I had no money and I was miserable. It was a terrible place to be. And finally, one day, I, I was sitting at this table with my boss, and he was telling me how terrible I was. It was a great conversation. <laughs> and I remember going, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so I resigned. I said, God, what am I doing? And I gave it up. I moved back to Alaska, started teaching, and here's the thing, I, had, I still had no money. <laughs> But I never needed anything, ever, ever, not once. Did I have once? Absolutely, absolutely. But God provided everything for me when I accepted my role in the body of Christ. He met every need, not just mine, my family's. And when we resign ourselves to this, right, <laughs> these songs that we worship to, we're getting ready to sing a song here in just a few minutes called Yes, I Will. <laughs> Saying, yes, I will. And I gave that illustration earlier about the herd, right? And, 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 and I'm going to ask Toby to come on up. Toby's Kenny's son, as Bruno said earlier. And oftentimes what we do as a church, it's, you know, sometimes it sounds so good, but I'm not so sure it is. And how many of you guys ever been part of a trust fall? Anybody been part of it? You know what a trust fall is? Okay. So a trust fall is you're going to do something crazy. You're going to stand on a podium and you're going to fall backwards and you're going to pray to the Lord that these people are going to catch you. <laughs> okay. So Toby and I practiced this earlier and um, he didn't trust me. So... <laughs> So we're going to try. But here's what I think sometimes happens as the church, right? We, we want to pull this move right here. We're, we're really good at the church as far as th this idea is concerned. Is, so I'm going to ask you to do it, okay? Toby, go ahead. Boom. We're good at catching people. And we're good at taking people down here, boom, and bringing them back up, right? That's, that, and I think sometimes that's what we think the church is designed to do, to catch those people and bring them up. And not that that's wrong. But as we looked here, I, I, that's not what the church is designed to do. The church is designed to be right here. And so if Toby falls, where does he go? Right here. Right here. And so, when, thanks, buddy. When we're functioning, as Paul is talking, we're unified and we stand together. We're like that herd, Right? We're like that herd, because here's the thing. Peter says it this way, right? The enemy is a roaring lion, and he is seeking who he can devour. But when we're together, nothing can stop us, and we keep each other from falling. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for who you are. God, you've been so good. Father, first and foremost, just want to thank you for the pleasure of being here at Bethlehem Church, God. What a blessing it has been. And so, Father, I pray that we were a blessing to them and that it was your words, Father, that we heard. Father, I, take, I pray that we take them to heart, that we seek to be the church you've designed us to be. And, Father, that we always are unified under the cross. In your precious son's name I pray, amen.